Mallory. Hey. It's good to have you here. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. yeah. Drove your old truck all the way over here? I did. It's my daily driver, so I drive it everywhere. What year is it? It's a 1965. And it's a, what is it, a Chevy, right? It's a GMC. Oh, it's a, it's a what is it, is that an Apache? No, what did they I call think it's those? a C1000, so it's like the C10 version, but it's a GMC. I was looking for a Chevy. I actually wanted um, like a newer style body, but um, I was in Houston at, in Supercross, um, and I had a broken <clears throat> arm, and so I couldn't ride my, my street bike anymore because obviously you can't ride with a broken arm. And so I was looking for a truck, and, you know, when you're in any city, I kind of just look at marketplace because i'm like what's gonna be here mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't in houston it was actually um in eagle pass texas which is closer to the border and i found it and it was this guy um he'd bought it from his uncle for his dad because his uncle had passed away and then his dad had passed away so he didn't want the truck anymore and so i went and got it from him um and he was really cool it was kind of crazy actually because his aunt had the title in mexico so we went to pick up the truck and um, he was like, okay, I'm going to take your money. I'm going to go to Mexico and I'm going to get the title and then I'll be back. And we were like, <laughs> um, hold on a second. You're not just going to disappear with thousands of dollars of cash. So we're going to go with you. But we didn't bring our passports or anything. So we just drove to Mexico with this man and I met his mom and his aunt and um, they were extremely sweet. Uh, I don't know what they were saying, but they were very excited that I was buying the truck and I was a small female and it was extremely cute. And then, um, came back, drove it four hours home. It made it. I was, he gave us a toe strap and he said, good luck. And it made it. And I was, yeah. And I haven't really, like, I've changed the tires. I've upgraded the brakes. Um, but just like small stuff. It's been great. That's a good story too. Yeah. Right. It yeah. was kind of like not anything I expected, but then when I got there, I was like, here we go. So, so how did you get across the border with this guy? Um, he was a cop, but in Texas. So I think he just knew the border people. I don't yeah. know, honestly. And they just let him through. He just, he truck. seemed very confident. And then okay. when we came back, um, kind of like you were saying, we I had a brain fart when, when they started asking me questions at the border, like trying to enter back in. Mm-hmm. And it's like... I forgot where I lived, like just stupid (laughs) stuff that made me seem like super suspicious. And the guy's just like, don't ever do this again. I'm going to let you through right now. But like, this isn't going to work next time for you, which I was like, okay, sorry. So, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Shoot, man. That's That's crazy. And also, it's kind of like, I'd be like, dude, like you have it on Facebook Marketplace. Why don't you already have the title? Like, why are you going to wait till I'm here with cash in hand? Yeah. And then be like, oh, by the way. The title's in another country. Right. Let me go over there real quick and grab it. I, I was like, it's your family. It's not like you're paying off the last person that owned it. You know what I mean? So I was like, can you just go get the title and then give her the cash later? Oh, was that the deal? They, they He needed to exchange the money for yeah. the... Oh, so okay. basically he'd been paying her off monthly, like, and that was mm. kind of her income, I think, was like gotcha. him making payments to her, and that was like the final increment of... Maybe that's why they were super happy. I think probably money. also, yeah. You thought it was because of you. I Maybe it it's because of, of the money. <laughs> I'm going to go with my story because okay. it seems it, it makes me better. feel better. Yeah, but no. I. It felt right to me when you said that. Yeah. I felt like that probably did happen that way. Yeah. I'd be excited. Right? Like, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, that's why we're talking about it right now is the fact that you pulled up in that truck and I was like, hell yeah. I was like, I, I figured Mallory would roll up in something cool. Yeah. And I love that truck. I, you know, I like a lot of projects, but I think I finally have the fleet that I will keep for as long as possible and that's definitely one that I just don't think that I could get rid of and 
like you know next is a little body work and some paint um probably upgrade the motor because it's the original inline six and it's fine but like when i try to ride dirt bikes at emma long like that big hill it just chugs and i'm like i'll get there in a second mm-hmm. so like i'm just ready to like do some stuff to like you know keep it running forever yeah it's old stuff with modern roads is so tough yeah like it's just it, it'll make you realize how much things have changed if you drive an oh, old yeah. truck and you're like dude i can't even go down the highway with these people anymore because oh. it's just like insane everyone's riding fast and they're braking hard and yeah yeah when it when i got it it had drum brakes and so it was just you know austin That's drivers scary. they're terrifying and yeah. they'd cut me off and i'm like do you do realize mine i'm gonna slam your truck is steel it's gonna destroy you you know yeah. what i mean your plastic car and so i was like First things first, I have to upgrade these brakes. And now I drive it like a tiny race car, and I probably shouldn't. But, like, they work so good that I'm just like, it's fine. I'll squeeze in and whatever. All right. Yeah. So I love that truck a lot. Tell me about your fleet. You said you, you got your fleet dialed in. Yeah. So um, I've always wanted a monster van. And so um, a couple years ago, I bought a G10, a 1975 little black van. Um, and my goal was to you know, convert it to a four by four, like monster van. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after doing a lot of research and investing in like a K5 blazer frame that I was going to put under it, I realized that the unibody just, it wasn't going to be easy or fun. And so instead of wasting my time doing that, I found um, a G. You you had that black, is that the one where you put the side door on it? Yeah. It had the gold wing door, which is, yeah, kind of like the Lambo door. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the whole side of of the van basically. yeah so instead of like sliding it just like opened like a little wing which that, was that was awesome yeah it was cool because i took that as like my race van and so like i could load the bike inside and i had a little um like futon inside that would fold down and so that was like where i, would, I took it racing and, and the goal wing was cool because it was like a good little shade protector mm-hmm. whenever i was at races yeah it's I, like your tent yeah i loved that van it just wasn't the final boss for me mm-hmm. and so i i found a g30 in um in utah which Salt Lake, you can just imagine, there's a lot of rust. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I was like, I'm going to f- buy a one-way flight, go to Salt Lake City, buy this van, and drive it back. And I made it three hours in a 19, I think it was also a 75, actually. No, it was a 77. And I made it three hours to Moab, and then I, it died on me. So That's I, a big risk, by the way. Like, I know. I, but... Sometimes that's what you got to do in life when you I mean, want prop, something. Props to you, but I'm like too scared to do that kind of stuff. I'm just like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll get broke down and, and I'll, I did. I'll, yeah. yeah. So what? How'd you get out of it? Um, <clears throat> I paid a lot of money for Amanda Tomi to Moab, and then I have a friend who lives there, um, and she let me keep it on her property. And then we actually drove up there with a trailer and brought it back. Um, and then as soon as I got it home, I just realized that it, the body was just too far gone for what I wanted to put into it but the crazy part is is that before I went I'd already bought the ticket the one-way flight to go get it and um the guy who puts on a lot of the van events here had sent me this um g30 like ambulance that was a four by four like someone's project but it was in Chicago I think um and I was like no I'm already committed to this other van like I'm not gonna go get that one and so um I kind of put it on the back burner forgot about it And once I got the gray van um, that broke down on me, like trailered back, um, I was on Marketplace, you know, per usual. And I I saw it and it was 30 minutes from my house. So basically, this man was a car flipper and he'd driven a car up to Chicago, sold that, 
bought this ambulance and then brought it back to Texas. And it was 30 minutes from my house. And I was like, this is the universe telling me that I need to get this ambulance instead. And so I sold the black van and the gray van. And then now I've been working on the ambulance. Did you make, did you make some money off the, the gray van at least? The one that you went to Salt Lake to get? Um, I made my money back. You made your money back. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to rip off the next person because I knew how much work Hmm. and I feel like karma's real and that that'll come back to you. And so, I mean, even when I bought the ambulance, like the guy marked the price up two times and I was like, Hey man, I know that you just brought this back. So I'll give you gas money, but I'm not going to pay you two times when like, I know what it needs because I did a lot of research on that, Mm -hmm. on the ambulance before I bought it. Cause like, you know, the van community is small and there's a lot of like Facebook pages and forums and people were like, this has been passed around the, like the Midwest. So be Mm. careful of it. But really what they were saying is that one specifically the ambulance, basically someone had four by four it in their backyard Mm. and they'd used a bunch of like scrap metal and didn't do a very good job. So my partner works at the Austin speed shop. And so he's a very good fabricator. Shout out to Alan Brown. Shout out to Alan Brown. And so he helped me, um, in our backyard also basically undo what they did and redo everything. So, um, and now it runs, but we're, I have an LS in my garage that we want to throw into it. So that's the next project. That'll be so nice. Yeah. That's but, such a good, like all around yeah. motor to just throw in anything. It right. That's great. Like if I had two, I would put one in the blue truck and then one in the, the ambulance. That would be great. But I don't. So I think we're going to do a 350 in the GMC for now. In the truck. Yeah. yeah. So. What about what about uh, your bike situation? I have a lot of bikes. Yeah, tell us about that. Uh, my street bike is a 2000 FXDX. It's a Dyna. Um, it was really ugly when I got it, but I think that that's why I got such a good deal on it. And then just you know had Josh Trevino paint it, mm-hmm. and then put a lot of work into that. Um, man, is it is it purple? A lot of your bikes are like blue and purple or yeah um, you have kind of a theme going on with those, i do right? i kind of like to color match everything so when i started everything was purple like my dirt bike was purple my street I bike when i met you sorry but when i met you you had a, like a purple sportster yeah did josh paint that one too he did yeah okay that's how i met josh actually so we've been friends for a long time but i actually i well that's how i met him was i reached out to him about paint stuff and then we became friends mm. and um i had this like theme basically my friend had made me a, a sissy bar that had a mermaid on it and so i was like i have to paint i think i remember that yeah it was super cool unfortunately as harley's do it rattled and shook her ass right <laughs> off and so um that broke and i lost it in the street i tried to go back and, and find this the bottom of my mermaid but anyways before that happened i was like i need to match my tank to it so i um i do graphic design and so i like drew out this whole um, design for this tank and then gave it to Josh. So one side was like this shipwreck, sorry, shipwreck siren like scene kind of. And then um, we did like, you would call them mermaid scale or fish scales, but I would call them mermaid scales because it goes with the theme. Mm -hmm. And then there was like lace and I don't know, I was really into purple then. And then when I did the Dinah, it had a little teal like outline to it. And then from there, everything kind of just transitioned transition to teal for me so i don't really know why i just like the color teal now so i'm, I'm all about the teal yeah, yeah. I'm, i don't mind purple but i've never been like super into it but i like blues and yeah. teals and just like your truck i mean baby it's blue. a calming color it's a yeah, yeah it's 
It is. It's like right in between though, because it's mm. kind of bright. Right. That's you fair. Know? And it's cool, but also it's chill. Yeah. I don't know. It's a cool color. Well, and I'm sad because, um, so I just got a new dirt bike and I went to look for plastics so I could match it to my last dirt bike that I had mm-hmm. and they stopped making the teal plastics. Now they make this, they call it like metallic teal, but it's not. It's like, it's blue. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. So now I'm like, okay, do I get black plastics and that's then the, yeah. teal accents i think that's the move yeah so, probably yeah. so and yeah. then you can would you design like all your own um yeah. stickers for it and stuff yeah i <clears throat> i've done all the graphics for my dirt bikes just because like whenever i'm looking online i don't really like the stuff that people do and a lot of times if you have someone design like graphics for you they put like a bunch of logos that i don't want on there and mm-hmm. like i have sponsors but then also sometimes i sneak fake sponsors in there like sour patch kids or quick trip Oh, that's cool. Because I love that gas station for some reason. <laughs> Sorry, Bucky's. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. You do like the New Mexico come and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's spelled, they spell it K-U-M. It's like, Th- that one does, yeah. Yeah, it's the worst. There's so many like really funny gas station names that like when you're on road trips, I'm just like, what? Like Tootin' <laughs> Totem or I don't know. Like, just yeah, it's weird just like, stuff. what? Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I love funny. weird gas stations, though. Yeah, me too. So you have, uh, you said you had the Dyna, and then you were going through your list of bikes, I forgot. Yeah, so I have the Dyna for the street. I have a, a CB350 in 1972 um, that we've had forever. That was probably, like, my third bike, um, and it's special to Alan's family, so I can't mm. ever get rid of that. Mm. Um, and then, man, I have my Enduro bike, my 350, um, like, Moto track bike um i have a 450 dtx bike for flat track i have my hooligan sportster i have my royal enfield 650 flat track bike i have i just got the new 250 for my enduro season next year um i feel like i'm probably forgetting things there's there's one bike for everything i'm trying to condense right now uh and then upgrade everything so i'm gonna sell my motocross bike and then my uh my 150 that i was racing this year just because i got the new 250 and i think that's kind of where i'm going to focus my energy next year is like more on enduro and like riding in the woods yeah yeah so so um when did you start riding motorcycles like how did all that begin because yeah we're kind of going from the cars and the trucks and then all of a sudden you're sneaking in there that yeah it's like, oh this chick races like everything so how did that all get started yeah, I think the bikes came first, and then when I broke my arm, I got into the... Like, I loved the cars before, but I um, I didn't... I rode every day on, on my Dyna, you know, until I hurt myself, and then I was like, oh, I need a car. But um, it kind of started... I think I was 19 or 20, and um, I started dating my partner, Alan, uh, around then when I was 19, and, you know, he had a motorcycle. And, you know, I grew up with a single mom, so... You know, she wouldn't let me get a drum set or a motorcycle because, like, that was not the thing. And so when I met Alan, you know, we'd go on rides, and I was always kind of like, I think that I could do this. And, like, I'm not going to lie, like, riding on the back is fun in town, but, like, on long trips, it's not comfortable probably for either person, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I want to learn to do this. And I asked a friend to take the class with me, and she was like, yeah, let's do it. And then she just wouldn't sign up and so I was like you know what if I want to do something I got to do it so I signed up for the class and um and then yeah I got a little CM 185 that it's like the pre-rebel I Mm -hmm. think and rode that it was a piece of shit 
and I loved it. Um, and then I think that's when I started getting really into like marketplace and Cra I don't even think marketplace was a thing. I was like Craigslist, Craigslist but like, I was just deal. like on there every day. Like I need a bigger bike because this 185 is not mm -hmm. the thing I got. I think it was a KZ 400, 400, maybe mm -hmm. it was a little red bike. Yeah. It was a 400, 450, something like that. Something like yeah. that. And, um, that bike was also shitty, but like back in the day and I, I'm from Iowa and I think the first bike I got was probably like $300 and the second bike I got was $400. Like it was so cheap to buy motorcycles that I was just like, mm -hmm. whatever, I'll just get a different one if this one doesn't work out. You know what I mean? Um, and having a partner who can fix anything is very helpful. You can buy mm -hmm. things that don't run. Um, and also their opinion when looking at stuff too. Right. Yes. You know? Yeah. He's a lot. Now I can go and I can look at bikes and I feel confident Yeah. in purchasing something like you know, when I bought the last dirt bike, I did the whole transaction myself and I felt good about it. But there's definitely times where I'm like, can you come with me? Because I don't feel confident in like my knowledge in like this type of car or bike or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, when you work on that stuff every day, like you, there's just things that you're going to notice that like most people aren't going to notice. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, I think um, before... I got it like a CB350 and like something, some part was like on backwards, you know? And like, so the guy was like, this doesn't work. So I'm just going to sell it to you non-running for this cheap price. And then when we got into it, it was like, just flip. I don't remember what it was, but we just like flipped something mm -hmm. around and it ran perfect. And we were like, wow, what a good deal that we just got. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, that definitely makes a big difference if you know what you're looking for, you know? And like, I think that's also why I got the Dyna so cheap. Like I genuinely think the man thought he had a sportster like a big sports i don't know like he just really? didn't seem like he, he knew what anything. he was talking about and it was 3500 dollars for like a dyna and i just was like this is all like this is my entire savings account at the time because i was like young so i'm just like Ugh, i don't know like thank you so it's worth a lot more than that now yeah so. no absolutely and especially i mean i put a lot of work into it so yeah but i don't that's another bike that i don't feel like i'd sell like i really love that bike too so it's hard to it's hard to beat a dyna right you know what i mean yeah it, that's kind of like the harley to have because it's yeah big enough to like rip and like go down the highway and haul ass and go long distance but then it's small enough to still be like fun to ride around the city and mm -hmm. kind of sporty well yeah and that's <clears throat> um like that model is just it's meant to like corner and like i don't know it's just so fun to ride and so easy to ride mm -hmm. um that I don't I don't think there's anything that I could upgrade to like that I would yeah. like more and, and you they know don't make them anymore so it's yeah. like shoot hold on to it exactly yeah. so yeah love that bike um so you you started uh you were working your way through the bikes mm -hmm. and talking about how you were how you got into riding in the first oh, place oh sorry yeah so yeah I took the course and then I started riding in Iowa and then um Man, well, I'll tell you about the first time I ever rode by myself. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, tell, anything you want to talk about? Let's talk about stuff. So the year was two thousand and eight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't even know what year it was actually, but um, it was like I think it was Memorial Day. We've been riding um all day with a couple of friends and Alan, and I worked at Gold's Gym at the time, and he Alan um. So y'all both lived there. Y'all met in yeah, Iowa. Yeah, Alan's from Iowa too. Okay. So, um, but. 
so we'd been riding and went to the beach all day and then I had to go to work that night and like close the gym down so Alan rode to work with me and he's like I'm gonna go keep riding with the dudes did y'all meet at the gym because he's kind of jacked he is jacked um no we didn't meet at the gym we met because we both did design stuff so Alan used to do graphic design and know that yeah and so we started um talking about like basically art school and art projects and then you know history was made i don't know yeah yeah sorry Um, i hijacked your story no it's okay um i love it but anyway so he dropped me off at work and he was supposed to come back and get me and like i wouldn't say that i have a sixth sense but there was something in me that was like something's not right and so i like picked up the phone when i was at work and i called alan and he was like hey i just crashed my motorcycle and i was like ouch oh no this is not good Mm -hmm. and He's the type of person, I mean, adrenaline's rushing, right, when you get in an accident. And so I think he was like, I'm fine. Like, I just popped my shoulder out of the sockets, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, naturally, I was like, I can't close the gym now. I have so much anxiety that I had someone come in and close the gym for me. And then his friends who he was riding with, they were like, we're going to come get you so you can ride home. And I was like, I don't have time for that. So I went and kickstarted my little KZ, and I was like, I'm riding home by myself and that was the first time I'd ever ridden home and I went to the hospital and then he'd broken his neck and I was like and he'd had his sister come pick him up and drive him home instead of getting an ambulance because you know we're like young so it's expensive to get an ambulance and I'm just like you are crazy um and so that was my first time riding by myself Alan's fine um he did have to have surgery on his shoulder because he shattered that it wasn't just popped out of the socket Mm. but crazy times when you I mean, we were a couple years into dating, but still, like, something traumatizing like that is pretty wild, so. Oh, yeah. If something like that happened to yeah. me with some of the girls out there, they would freak out. They wouldn't be able to handle that, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, 20, I think, and, I mean, it was a lot at the time, but. Oh, I'm for sure. Really glad that he's okay. But so. now, like, what do you think your perspective would be on it now? Because I'm sure you've had like so many crashes and injuries and stuff like I've actually I mean I've you know I've popped a rib out I've gotten a concussion I've torn my shoulder and I've broken my elbow but like outside of that like he is the one who's always in the hospital well he just messed up his foot like super bad like what a year ago or so yeah, he he was um, riding dirt bikes. I don't know if he's going to like me telling all of his stories, but anyways. You don't have to if he's, he's not into that. Yeah, um, but yeah, he just. I brought it up. He shattered his foot, and <laughs> yeah. so, you know, and that was really traumatizing for me because, I mean, not to make it about me, it's not, but, like, I knew a girl who'd done kind of something similar, and she basically had told me that they were considering amputating her foot with how bad she'd shattered her mm. foot, and so... You know, when you drop someone off, um, and especially during COVID, you can't go in with them and stuff. And um, the whole time I was just like, they're going to cut his foot off. And he's not going to do all the things that he loves. Mm-hmm. Or like, not that that would stop him. But like, you know, I was just really worried. It'd and then a pretty big speed bump. Yeah. yeah. And then like right after that, he, so like from the accident where I rode by myself, he when he shattered his shoulder, he'd been having a lot of shoulder pain like, for 10 years essentially and so um when he'd hurt his foot he was like hey can y'all just look at my shoulder and see if I can take these screws out because I think they're like messing with me and um 
they basically didn't look at it. And then, you know, six months later, his shoulder went septic because the screw had come out and it basically released this infection that was in his bone. And I think that was probably the scariest because like out of all of them, because, you know, when you go in for a broken bone, that seems more common. But when someone has like an infection, that's yeah. Broke a bone, you're going to live either way. Yeah. It's going to heal messed up, and you're going to live, or or they're going to fix it right, or yeah. it's going to heal right, and you're going to live. But, like, an totally. infection, well, you're dead. Take you out, man. If you so. don't take care of it, yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I should be sharing all this, this no, you don't, business, but... No, that's fine. Yeah, no, I We I just, just care about you, Alan. Yeah. So. He's, oh, man, that's a rough one. And uh, I had a buddy during, like, the uh, same time that that happened to Alan... And he shattered his foot on a BMX bike, mm-hmm. like dirt jumping, oh, and man. just like came down, and his foot like came off the pedal. And I think he slammed his foot That's on exactly the landing. That's exactly what happened. Yep. And uh, just exploded it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was bad. Accidents are crazy because like I've fallen so many times and been like, how did I not break myself? But then like you mm-hmm. do something so small mm-hmm. and stupid, and then you hurt yourself, and you're like, of all the times that I've eaten shit. Like, why now? You know what I mean? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. So, like, you were up there, and then when did y'all get into Austin? Um, So I graduated college in 2013, and then basically gave my job, like, three months notice that I was going to move to Texas. I'd never uh, been to Austin before. I just knew that it was either here or San, Francis- San Francisco, and... After living in Iowa where I had a house for an entire house for $600, mm-hmm. like with a garage, and then looking at the two options, like this was more comparable, even though obviously it was more expensive, but like San Francisco, I was like, I don't think I could have roommates and no, yeah, you know what I mean? crazy there. Yeah. But like both places had really good options for design jobs. Mm-hmm. And so um, essentially, and Alan used to be in bands, so he toured a lot and he'd already been to Austin. So he was like, this is a great place and like we knew people in both cities but uh ultimately decided here and then you know came down did like a little tour of the city with some friends that we knew that lived here signed a lease and then drove home and i was like oh my gosh now i have to sell everything that i own Mm -hmm. because i just signed a lease in texas and i'm gonna move there and i've never i don't know what i'm doing so sold everything and then drove down with our two dogs and have been here since it's a big move. It is a big That's move. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. So I don't regret it. I I think I regret moving here first, to be honest, because I love it so much that I can't leave. Yeah, you wish you would have went to other places and experienced it maybe? Or? Yeah, because, you know, I think, I don't know, there's so many cool places to live, you know, and I kind of wish I would have experienced like mountains and the ocean and all that sort of stuff and then come back here because I think this has, it's just a great place and i really love texas and i love the people um so but i don't regret being here it's just if i could do it over again i think i'd bounce around a little bit more when i was like in my 20s and mm-hmm. then settle here but i'm also really grateful to be here because there's been so many opportunities that have presented themselves since we've been here that like i definitely wouldn't have gotten in when i was in iowa you know so right yeah well it works out yeah you know absolutely and you can always i mean travel we love traveling mm-hmm. you know i'm going to new mexico tomorrow so shoot what are you doing there riding dirt bikes heck yeah yeah well when did you start racing um i started racing 
Well, okay, so I started riding when I was 20 on the street, and then I started riding dirt bikes when I was probably 24, like I'd been here for a year. How old are you now, if you don't mind? I am 32. 32. Yeah. And you keep saying that, yeah, when I was 20, I was like... I'm an I'm a old lady now. No, but you look like you're 25, so I'm like, this timeline is really tight. Yeah, no, no, I... That's so funny, thank you. Um, No, I'm 32, so, man, that would have almost been... Like, eight years ago, essentially, I started riding dirt bikes, and I got a little, um, like, XR100. Oh, I love those. Yeah. yeah, and we were, like, just riding it in the woods, and then um, I wanted to go to a track super bad, and I wanted to, like, get some air. That was, like, my goal, you mm-hmm. know? And so we went to Del Valley. I don't know if you've been there. Um, I haven't, but I know it's yeah, all about it. they have a track there, and um, sent it on a jump, and the seat flew off, and I flew off, <laughs> and then I was like... This isn't a track bike. It's a trail bike. Like, what yeah. are you thinking? And mm-hmm. so I sold that, and I got a, a little CRF 150R that was – it's a smaller bike because I'm five foot. So, you know, back back then I really wanted to touch the ground. Now I don't care as much. Right. Um, and so I got that bike, and I just started riding that. And then I got – I finally got a 250, um, a little KTM, and – I was really nervous about it, but once you start riding motocross, like, once you get going on the track, you don't need to touch the ground. Right. Um, and that bike changed everything for me, and then um, I just started doing motocross races. Those were my first, like, types of racing was motocross. Um, I wouldn't do motocross now just because I feel like there's so much room to hurt yourself yeah. in a motocross race. Like, not that there's not in flat track or you know, wood stuff. There's definitely opportunities, but like personally for me, I just feel like that's in the airs where I'm going to hurt myself. But Mm -hmm. that also has to do with how I broke my arm was like after a jump. So I kind of, I think it's in my head a little bit Mm -hmm. too. Um, But yeah, I started race. I don't remember what year my first like motocross race was. I would bet on average motocross people get injured more than like woods racing people and like I'd love to see the statistics for sure. That's just what I would think. That would be my guess. Yeah, well, and I think what I like about the woods is like, you know, on a track, I feel like I'm going all out. Whereas in the woods, like, it's so tight that like, yeah, you're going fast, but like, you're not going as fast as you would on a track. So, Mm -hmm. and granted, like, maybe one day I will be that fast in the woods. But for now, it seems safer, Yeah, you know, to run into a tree than off the edge of a berm that's so, true yeah yeah there's yeah. some rowdy wrecks i see on instagram sometimes where guys hitting trees and stuff and it's like oh yeah i did a race this weekend and there was almost 400 people that signed up and 155 people didn't finish the race wow which was like someone did the math and it was like 40 percent like failure or whatever i don't think uh not finishing a race is a failure i think that sometimes it's smarter to call it when you're not or you break down or yeah you know, you you know what i mean like yeah. you have to know what's best for you there was a few points there where i was like should i be out here right now like i was so fatigued just because it was like so uh like draining and you know physically demanding but how long was it um that one was only 40 miles but like it was which is like does was it, it multiple s- laps or just like one so mile loop? yeah so enduro um Enduro racing is like there's tests. So this one had four tests, whereas like a hair scramble is like one loop in the woods that you try to complete as many times within a time frame. Okay. But mm-hmm. endurance is like multiple tests that you have to complete. And some this one was like a restart format. So 
you know, the number that you have on your plate, for example, I was number 60, right? So the race starts at eight and they release like five people every minute. Mm. And so since I was row 60, I get released at 9 a.m. instead of eight, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, But there's already been like, what, like 300 people out there. So like it's just torn up and roots and rocks. And this one, uh, they did a really great job. Like I truly loved this trail that they had. Like, you know, some of them seem easy and then some are harder than others. And like this one just felt like what an endurance race should be you know Mm -hmm. like it was physically demanding and it was hard and and you had to make like good line choices and you know it's really tight in the woods and then a lot of like rocky loose hill climbs with just random exposed roots you know Mm -hmm. so like yeah and that's that's where i'm at right now is i kind of want to like dive more into that and like working on skills on the bike and like getting the front wheel up and there's a hard enduro in april so that's my goal is to eventually be able to at least get to the first checkpoint in an, in a hard enduro. So we'll see how What's that goes. What's a hard enduro? Um, they just put like way more obstacles in it. So like, you know, it's just gnarlier. Mm. Yeah. Got you. So like, bigger hill climbs, bigger rocks. Just yeah. Yeah, really tough stuff. Yeah, like yeah. you go in knowing that you're gonna break a lot of things on your bike, probably, mm-hmm. and hopefully not yourself, but maybe also right yourself. So I'm gonna wear all the gear. All you know? the gear. Yeah. So. But that's the thing is, like, if you don't push yourself to do stuff that's scary, you're not going to get better. You know what I mean? Like, and if we all wait till we're ready, we're never going to be ready. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So. If, if you are scared and pushing yourself, then you're, that's kind of actually where you should be. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can definitely, like, overdo it. Yeah. Right? But you should be a little scared when you go do something. I mean, there's 100% been times when I felt in over my head. So, like, how I got into flat track, um... I'd never really ridden flat track before. I just, I knew what it was and I thought it was cool. And and it was kind of like, you know, when uh, the hooligan racing was coming back in and, and so the X games, um, they were doing hooligan racing and Harley had a, a Letitia Klein as a ambassador and they gave her two motorcycles, one for herself to build mm-hmm. as a hooligan bike and then one for another teammate essentially that she could ask and she had the idea that each race that she went to in this series she was going to ask a different female racer to go Mm -hmm. and so I was at work one day and my phone rang and it was Letitia and I was like she doesn't call me so I need to answer this like this seems like it'd be something important and she essentially was like do you want to go race the x games flat track with me and I was like yeah of course and then I got off the phone with her and I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I don't know what I just signed up for. Um, and so I basically bought like forks and wheels for my KTM to turn it into like a little DTX bike. And then um, pre-allied racing, mm-hmm. you know, but I went and built a little flat track at Tony's property mm-hmm. and just kind of practiced because I had no idea what I was doing. But I was like, you know, when is this ever gonna happen again you know what I mean and so then I flew to Minneapolis and I raced a sportster at the x games and it was probably one of my favorite experiences and I didn't make it very far in because clearly everyone else had already been racing Mm -hmm. um but the cool part was is that the following weekend I raced at Castle Rock with Letitia and this other girl um that had raced the x games with us and we got 
we basically stole the podium. We got first, second, and third. I got second. That's awesome. And I was like, all right, for my second flat track race, getting second place is pretty cool. And that's and when I got home, I was like, I have to. That's when I bought my Sportster. I found this like two thousand dollar bike on Marketplace, and it was so trashed and ugly. And I felt so guilty offering this man twelve hundred dollars, and he took it because he bought the bike for seven hundred dollars. So he actually made money off of me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the reason that I did it was because I was going to change literally the only things that are the same as the frame and the motor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was like I had to get it cheap so that I could upgrade all this stuff. And yeah, I love that bike. So that's awesome. Another one that I don't know if I'll get rid of, but maybe that's a tough one. Yeah. So then at what point did you start? Because now you're like sponsored and um, I want to talk about the Royal Enfield deal. Yeah. At what point did it start? you start getting attention for what you were doing and started getting more offers on the table and like support. Sure. Um, I think like the first like kind of real company that reached out to me was fast house. Um, and I, th- that was really cool to me cause I'd, I'd always admired that brand and I thought that their gear was like really cool. Um, and I don't know, I think it was just, it's marketing and being authentic online you know and mm-hmm. like I people are always like how do you gain followers and I'm like I don't know I just post and I say what's on my mind and yep. I'm just real and I and I just genuinely like people and connecting with humans and I think that people can see that maybe. yeah you can tell like you're a person that does cool shit yeah like you do you do stuff yeah you know what I mean like there's so many people that's like and they may have a big following but you know you actually get to meet them or you read between lines a little bit, you're like, oh, this person doesn't do anything. Yeah. They, they have pictures taken of them. Like, they don't right. do stuff. Like, you get on your Instagram and it's like, oh, this chick does stuff. Yeah. Like, more than the average person. Well, I just like to say yes to things. Because yeah. I think that if, like, saying yes to one thing opens the door to the next thing and you never know what that thing is, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't really know when, like, that started happening because it wasn't ever a goal right like it wasn't a goal to like race or be noticed or whatever it's the goal was always just to have fun Mm -hmm. you know to have a good time and to get better at something that I was passionate about and like spending my time on earth the way that I want to and and then if people think that's cool then like and want to support it um that's awesome I think um like the more sponsorships kind of started with the program just because it was so so big and and you do need sponsorships to build a bike and for everything that we do like you know being part of something at that caliber is so expensive you know what I mean so um essentially with Royal Enfields like um I'd met the the woman who put on the program um there's this event called Flat Out Friday Mm -hmm. and it's in Milwaukee and it's part of a motorcycle show called Mama Tried and I went there because I wanted to try syrup racing um, and indoor. And so I went there, and I'd never done it before. And I met this woman. She just seemed really nervous, and she was on a Royal Enfield that they'd built specifically for this race. And so I just kind of kept checking in with her and, like, you know, asking her, like, what she thought, what she was scared of, like, telling her she was doing a good job. And then we kind of connected. And so then when she had this idea to build this program about women supporting women and racing, uh, she reached out and asked me if I wanted to basically build a Royal Enfield. And at the time, it 
I don't think it was what it is now where it was more so we're going to give you a bike, you build it into a flat tracker. We're going to take it to mom and tried the following year and then like showcase it. And then you'll race flat out Friday. And then I think AFT saw that and they're like, this is cool. I don't actually know how like that got involved, but at the time I'd gotten laid off from my job. And so the thought of building a motorcycle from scratch I just couldn't fathom like where I would get that money Mm -hmm. and so I had to turn down the opportunity and I was really bummed about it but it just wasn't the right time and so you know then COVID hits and one of the girls is from Canada and she can't come into America and so to do one of the races and so they put out a kind of like a casting call I guess and um I applied again, got turned down, which I was like, okay, cool. They got me. Like I said no to them. They say no to me. I understand. But then the girl that they had fill in, um, she actually broke her collarbone practicing. Mm. And then they were like, we just need someone who's experienced. So they called me and then this other girl. um, And we filled in for two of the racers that didn't make it. And so my first race with Royal Enfield was at Daytona. Um, And it was a kind of a double header. And so Friday night we raced. Um, and then Saturday we were supposed to race again and the bike that I was on, which was another girl's build, um, shut off on the line. And so they took off cause we're an exhibition and they, you know, it was going to rain and they just wanted to keep the program rolling. And so I rolled the bike off and I just stood there and I cheered for everyone. And I, and I basically said like, you know, I guess this just means I have to come back next year if, you know, I didn't get to finish this race. And they were like, Absolutely. So I got asked um, to come back the following year. So I got my own Royal Enfield, which I've never owned a bike that had like zero miles on it. And it's brand new, you know, and it's kind of terrifying. And you're like, wow, now I've got to tear it apart. But I think that's kind of where like more of the sponsorships and things kind of happen. Because like with that, like it's, you know, you get a little bit of a budget, but you don't get enough to build an entire bike because there's like, you know, the wheels and the brakes and the forks and just everything. And the leathers, like, oh my gosh, leathers Mm -hmm. are expensive. And so I'm really grateful for all the people that helped me out, you know, Allied Racing and Synergy Motorworks and Bell Helmets, the, you know, people that are all friends now, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I built the bike and, you know, that program taught me a lot about myself and about motorcycles and wrenching on things and gearing and, you know, changing everything essentially. And like, even now when I'm getting my dirt bike ready for my races, like I do that like majorly by myself, unless there's something that I Mm -hmm. like don't know how to do. But like for the most part, like I have way more confidence now in myself as, you know, a mini junior mechanic. Um, Right. Yeah. You can, you can, you're self-sufficient. Like you can, load the shit in your van and yeah. drive out there yourself and do everything by yourself and yeah. load it up and go home. Well, and I think that's the biggest reason to buy a van or a truck is because then you're a little more independent, you know, on those weekends that you, you want to go ride something that your partner or friends don't want to go to. Like mm-hmm. Alan really likes the track and now my goals are more so like enduro and like riding in the woods. So like, it's nice that I can just break off and have the confidence in myself that if something goes wrong, like, I can usually fix it, but sometimes I can't, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. But that's awesome. I mean, shoot, that Royal Enfield deal was pretty impressive, too. And when I when I first um, noticed it, it was at uh, 
was some motorcycle show in Fort Worth. Where was it? And they, oh, they yeah. were showing all the bikes that all the women had built there. So I think that's where we did the, like, kind of the premiere of our builds. And um, it was, like, the Get Down Moto Fest. Is that what it was? Get, I, get On. Or Get On. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that's right. And there was like a women's exhibit that the moto lady, Alicia, was putting on. And so she invited um, basically the Royal Enfield crew to come in. And that's where we all, you know, displayed our bikes and kind of unveiled them for the first time. And mm -hmm. so um, and that was super cool because, you know, the the last year the we didn't really get an unveiling, which granted, like, you know, the year before everyone's bikes have already been revealed. But like the new girls that came in, they didn't get that experience. So I think that was something that was really special. Um and yeah, it was cool to like, kind of be the showgirl for a second and pull this thing off this, off my bike that I worked so hard for months on that I'm like excited and like. Oh, and it looks it looked cool as shit. Yeah, That's thank a, you. Such a cool looking bike. Thank you. Yeah, um, it was cool. I think, but it's so funny because then you don't really get a lot of time to shake it down either. So the first race is like the shakedown, mm -hmm. and you're like out there going like way too fast on a bike that you're like i've never ridden this yeah. before and i hope it stays together and like i did most of this myself you know and so that was definitely a learning experience is like i've never built a flat track bike and i don't i don't know enough about flat track to know that like how everything is supposed to be and i think it took you know the entirety of me being in this program to finally understand like how mm. a setup should be um but now I have a bike that's set up, and probably keep that one for a long time too. Yeah, so it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, I was, uh, I went to Mike Lozano's because I was uh, going to that show in Fort Worth. Oh yeah. And uh, got invited to that to bring that XS650 that I built, and um, for that show to be able to win, like the winner would would go to Germany. Oh wow. For like one of their bigger shows it's like an ims show or something whatever it's the the more like corporate branded like sure. motorcycle shows they have cool. all the big sponsors so that was the thing but you had to do like a 15 mile ride oh. to be able to qualify mm -hmm. to be judged so like every you know you would go to the motorcycle show everyone set up hang out there was like a pre-party and then the next day everyone started their bikes we're going like a 15 mile ride come back or you would go to a checkpoint, get like a token, come back, and then if you made it, then you could be judged. Okay. And and all the judging was done within the builders. So there was like two official judges, and then they also added up all the points from like the builders. So we would go and judge every single, or our top five bikes, uh -huh. which I think is a really good way to do it. Yeah. And they average all those points together. That's so cool. So anyway, I had swung by uh, Mike Lozano's. Shout out to that guy. Lozano brother, the man. yeah, man, that guy's a wizard with right. with motors. But um, Lozano Brothers Porting is mm -hmm. the business. And anyway, so I go there because I was like, man, I I need you to tune this bike up like before I leave because I'm kind of having some troubles and I don't want to break down out there. Yeah. And then I roll up and then you're there with your bike on the dyno. What are that? And I was like, what What are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm headed to Fort Worth. I was like. I'm headed to Fort Worth, too, and, and yeah. it's like we figured out we were going to the same thing. It's so funny. I do remember that. Yeah, Mike's the man. He definitely helped me get my bike dialed in, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that a lot, so. Yeah, he's so helpful. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, man, I need to call that guy because um, I've called him so many times. It's always when I need help. 
Right. And I'm like, I need to call him just to call him. I'm like, I haven't done that in a while, you know, and he's helped me out so much. And it's just one of those guys that's got so much knowledge and so much experience and absolutely self-taught, you know, and uh, is one of those guys that, all right, he'll make time for you on a Saturday so you can make it to a race. or Right. Yeah, know. and he's so sweet because, like, you know, when you're out at AFT, like, he's there too because mm-hmm. he's working. And he'll always stop by and, and give you a hug and, like, check in and ask how you're doing. And, like, you know, he's so busy. He doesn't have time to watch and give me feedback. But, like, he always wants to hear how I'm feeling. And, like, I just think that's – he's so genuine and, mm-hmm. and kind. Like, yeah, he's a good dude. And he, li- he's like, he likes being a part of it, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And, and that's what's cool and is – when those guys that they did it in their younger years and then they've, you know, been working in the industry for so long and then they're around it again and they're just like excited to like help you and it's like, Oh shit, dude, I'm so like happy that you're even willing to like Yeah help me and so it's like this cool mutual thing. Right. And you can really bond over that. You well know? And he just has so much knowledge that like and that's what's cool about like the entire like racing community in general there's always people with so much knowledge you just you just have to ask you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like there's always going to be someone willing to share like some piece of something a tip whatever like or how to set your bike up a little different or something to check and there are people that share too much information without you even asking you know what i mean like but (laughs) everyone's just so kind that you're just like it's you can learn a lot just being in the pits like at Mm -hmm. any race you know and i think that's really cool so are all those races? Oh, I have to, I'm about to burp. Do it. <laughs> I'm about to talk, and I'm like, no, here it comes. <laughs> so are all those races that you're doing with Royal Enfield? Is that all AFT mm-hmm. races? Yeah, they're all through AFT. So, um, did that- you get the race at Fort Worth? Because I know they can't. They like. It was raining and stuff, and they, like, postponed some of it. Yeah, so we don't do – or we weren't doing the entire schedule. We only had uh, seven races out of – I don't know how many total they have, but we don't do the entire series with them. We only do, like, a select Mm. amount, and and it's usually, like, you know, we don't do mile tracks. We do smaller tracks um, for probably safety purposes um but you were just there for the for the show then for the right women's correct show. Yeah. yeah oh that race yeah that got rained out i don't know that they rescheduled it you know what sucks what is um uh we had got some tickets and we go over there we walk we would like walk over there because it's close to where the show was at mm-hmm. we walk over there we pay for these tickets they're not like cheap they're like 35 or 40 bucks or something oh okay walk in there they shut it down. And it just starts no refund. And then and then well we go back the ticket the ticket booth here I am about to burp again. <laughs> the the ticket booth is shut down. Everyone's gone. So yeah. you couldn't go get your refund ticket booth. You look on the ticket and it's like you call this number and get a refund or email. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm, I was like, Did I need that refund? thirty bucks. Yeah. No answer. You cannot get them on the phone. Left a voicemail. Not no response for email. That's nothing. Up. So they all that money, like they took it in, and I guarantee you they didn't refund one person. And that place was like, everyone's just standing around like buying hot dogs and beers and stuff, like waiting for the show, and then they're like, oh, sorry, not happening. Jk. And you yeah can't Aww, get your money back. That's like, a bummer. Yeah, yeah, that's gas money. I know, big time. Yeah, I was, like, sleeping in my van. I was like, I needed that $40, yeah, you know? Yeah, an investment. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, this is, I, I, 
I totally forgot about that until we started talking about it. Oh, no. I was, like, all pissed Call off. Call him now. I, yeah, let's do it. Let's Call him up. Call get, him up. Get him on the phone. We'll get our, uh, all 20 listeners of this show. Please, uh... Call AFT and complain. About two years ago. Yeah, about a race that happened two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> we can't even remember ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was that was cool. And uh, yeah, that was, I think you had just finished your bike. Yeah. Um, and you did all the graphics for it, right? Designed all that stuff. No, so Josh helped me paint that oh, okay. for the Royal Enfield. Yeah. Um, I had, it's funny when you look at the sketch that I drew for what I wanted the bike to look like and then the final vision of how Josh actually painted it, like, it's just, it's like an amateur child's drawing <laughs> to, like, this, like, Picasso. I like it. Like, he did such a good job and, like, you know, I love working with Josh. He's just, he's a cool dude and he gets it. So, yeah, it came out really well and it's, it almost kind of sucks, like, how much I love that bike because I'm so scared to break it right you know it looks I mean? so good and yeah. then you're like man you know if you race it hard you're gonna lay it down i mean how many times oh. have you laid it down uh i have not laid it down racing but it has um been tipped over and then also obviously through transport like there's mm -hmm. just dings and stuff yeah like scratches and whatnot which i've first you know the first one i'm like oh my gosh i put so much time and energy into this and i was so bummed and then i was like it's a show bike or it's not a show bike, it's a go bike. So, like, mm -hmm. we can't care about these scratches, and you can't really see it from far away. But then, like, the first time, I think I was in my garage, and I, I put the, you know, like, the little stand under it, and I wiggled it, and it was sturdy, and I was like, cool. I walked away, and then all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, like, right don't you hate that? Yes, right into my Sportster, and I, I cracked the fiberglass on the, the seat pan just a little bit, but I was just like, all right, well, now that I've broken it, like, it's then I like let it go. Like it was something where like all the scratches before were other people and I was like it was in my head. But then when I did it, I was like, okay, now I don't care anymore. Right. Like, this is yeah. I'm gonna race it and this is what's gonna happen. So like just let it go. And like then after that I was like, all right, but I haven't crashed that bike yet. So fingers crossed. And that's the thing with that whole deal was not only were they asking you guys to, you know, put these bikes together and make all the design choices and, and all the aftermarket parts and, and the custom shit that, that was all up to you. Mm -hmm, yeah. But also it's like, they're promoting you guys online. It's mm -hmm. like, you're, sh you're lining these bikes up together. Like it's, it's like they're show bikes too. Like oh, they're absolutely. race bikes, but like you guys are putting out stuff. You're like every, every woman there wants to have like the coolest looking bike. And yeah. So, well, in the first year, too, like when we did that unveiling, there was actually a people's choice. So mm -hmm. it was a show bike in the beginning. Like we had votes and stuff. I was winning for a long time. Another girl snuck in at the last second because I was like, I'm so far ahead. It's whatever. And then that's when they get you. Mm, it's when you give you up at the off. end. I did. You never let off right before the finish line, right? Yeah. That's, that's rule one of racing. So I didn't win people's choice, so that's okay. Yeah, I really like yours, and then there was, I think there was one other that stuck out to me, but I can't remember it. Um, I remember yours, because, you know, I see it more. Yeah. But I remember when I saw them all together, I was like, it's Mallory's, and then there was like one other one that was like, that's a badass one, too. There's some pretty cool bikes. All the all the girls should be very proud of themselves and the yeah. work that they put into it. Like, building a bike in general on top of, like, you know, we all have day jobs, mm -hmm. you know, and then and the timeline that you get is like... I think I got my bike, like, end of December, beginning of January, and then that was, what, March? So it's like you don't really get a lot of time no. 
to put it together, which is, I think, you know, once the first year it was a lot of guessing, like obviously we had team sponsors and then we got our own sponsors. And then, you know, this past year it was like, here's kind of a, a guideline of what the girls before did. So like maybe this will help you kind of figure out what you want to do, you know? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, if they do it again next year, there will definitely probably be like way more dialed in. Like this is the kit or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it'll be a lot easier and then everyone can customize theirs with like paint or whatever their like stylistic choices are. You know, like one girl painted her frame, like people powder coat their wheels. So it's just kind of like, what do you want to make yours? You know, I I liked though how it was because it was so different. Like people were putting different tanks on and there, there wasn't no set like, kind of guideline or basic like starter point so everyone's just every bike was completely different yeah i thought that was really cool yeah and like the first year like some girls had the stock tank some girls Mm -hmm. cut down the stock tank and made it smaller some girls had fuel cells with like fake tanks and like you know all the wirings underneath like so it was kind of like yeah there was a lot more diversity you know and Mm -hmm. like this past year you could kind of tell that everyone you know picked up the same like tank and in the same fuel cell and the same wheels so like it is getting a little bit more closer but they all still have their own personality right you know so and i think there's still a lot you can do even if you do have the same base you know so oh yeah for sure yeah i mean smart move on royal infield though right to be like you know not only are we going to get all these people to customize these bikes but also like they're going to race them and Mm -hmm. also they're you know these characters online already like y'all are already these people that yeah. people already know about y'all. We're real people. Real people. We're real people out there. Yeah. So people already are following mm-hmm. what y'all are doing, and then all of a sudden, you know, Royal Enfield gets to attach themselves to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know you're stoked probably to be attached to them and have that opportunity, but, Absolutely. I mean, they're, they're getting a good deal, too. Oh, super you know smart I mean? marketing. Yeah. 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 No, they knew what they were doing with that one. What's your – well, I was think, I was just thinking about, like, the fact that, you flat track a sports tour which is crazy like mm-hmm. the people that don't know about that kind of stuff i mean that's a heavy bike and yeah it's totally not meant to do anything like that totally and you're a small woman and like i know like i'm a small guy and it but you know that's the only thing i've really got the flat track mm-hmm. is that and like a klx 250 Oh, nice. But that sportster man like that's a lot of bike yeah and, and when you crash in those things you crash hard and you're out there, like, fucking ripping on that thing. Like, you're fast. Thank you. I've watched you race, and I'm like, holy shit. This chick is, like, leaps ahead of the other people. Yeah. Yeah, Fredericksburg. She was gone. So, I love that race. I definitely am going to do that again this year. But, like, last – I've done it two years in a row. And the first year, it was, like, my biggest lineup – you know, I, I don't remember how many dudes there was, but there was, like, more than 10. Like, you know, it was, like, 15 people. And I was just like, all right, this is my largest start on flat track that I've ever done. And I just didn't want to get last. And I, I beat, like, a handful of dudes, but I wasn't, like, at the very front or anything. And then this past year, I went back and, um, you know, I'd had a year of, you know, AFT under my belt and just more, like, consistent racing. And for flat track, I don't really practice because there's not a lot of opportunity or tracks here to do that and so it's more so I just kind of show up and race and that's my practice and so you know racing with AFT gave me a lot of seat time consistently and so when I went back to Fredericksburg this last year 
I was like, okay, I just don't want to get last again. Mm-hmm. And then I got first, and I... You, you had, like, a hefty lead, too, if I remember right. Oh, yeah. I, I think at one point, like, you know, I my bike kind of, like, choked on me for a second in the last lap, and I was like, please don't do this to me right now. I'm in the front, and I will be so bummed if my bike shuts off and, like, runs out of gas or I don't... I, like, I literally, I was on the back straight, and I remember, like, messing around with, like my gas to make sure I had it turned on Mm because I was like which I think something was just like caught in the line you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but like I was so far ahead that it didn't matter that I'd you were like a quarter of the track ahead yeah yeah and so that was a very proud moment start of the season for me yeah that was cool I was was like I was watching because yeah I wanted to cry so well, good for you yeah i was i was like super proud too and i just i hadn't seen you i hadn't seen you race that much but um i, I in general but i hadn't seen you race in a while and then seeing that and i was like holy shit like this is badass like you yeah were really, and were you on the harley then i was on the harley then yeah um i mean the the royal enfields is 650 and a lot of the dudes in the hooligan class are on a 1200 mm-hmm. and I don't even think I had the bike at that point. I think, like, um, it was already, like, on its way to Florida for the first race. But, um, yeah, so I, I race the Sportster when I'm home. So, which I'll probably start doing local races, like, with the Royal Enfield now that it's home. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a winter series going on right now, so I'm probably going to do a couple of those just because I have this cool bike now. Yeah, I want to use well. it. Yeah, it's not – I don't want it to just, like, sit, you know. So, so many people that first turn mm-hmm. at Fredericksburg, so many people go off the edge every year. Yeah. There's like three people go off the edge. That's a gnarly, yeah. So like why is that um, from your perspective? like, I think it's a weird shape, to be honest. I can't really remember, but I think that's what it was. Is like It's just a weird shape, so when you come into it, you kind of just have to treat – like every corner is different in mm-hmm. flat track. Like it's not always a smooth oval, and so – you know, some tracks are D-shaped and some are ovals and some are more round. And so it's kind of like doing a little research and understanding how a track works. And, like, you know, the, the track in Waco, like, it's kind of a bean shape where, like, you think the corner's coming, but it's not. There's, like, a it's after that. Mm-hmm. And so if you, you know, if you know that, you don't slow down until the second, in quotes, corner, even mm-hmm. though it's technically the first corner. So a lot of people get freaked out and, like, so I think it's just knowing your tracks, and I do think that – I think that's what I love about that Fredericksburg race is just that a lot of people turn out for it, mm-hmm. and I think people just get really excited and amped up and go hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So – and that one's – it's pretty gnarly. I mean, it's a horse track that they – I think before that they were using the entire track. and then that's huge, yeah. And then they cut it down to just, like, the infield and made it smaller, which I don't think it needs to be the entire horse track. You know. Yeah, that's a big old track. It's yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty rowdy. Totally. What's your favorite flat track bike to ride out of the ones that you have? I mean, that's tough because it's like I've put the most time and energy into that the six fifty, and I do love that bike, but like I secretly love the Sportster. Really? Yeah, like it's just. There's something about the fact that I bought it so cheap, I've put it together so cheap, and I think that's just what hooligan racing is, and it's just got that power, and the way it sounds, it just, 
like it pulls so good and I just I love that bike and like I think there's this like thought where like you know you spend all this money on this one bike and when it doesn't do the things you want it to do you get upset which is Mm -hmm. maybe a rider's error but like I'm also kind of like I put so much money into like making this perfect and then I get bummed when it you know this is something feels off like the suspension or I don't have the gearing right or whatever but when with a sportster like I can't change i don't have quick change gearing you know so i just put Mm -hmm. it it just is what it it is is, and i just appreciate it because it's just a piece of shit and i love it you know what i mean like (laughs) and i know that sounds bad because i spent so much money on this other bike Mm -hmm. but i just love the sportster you know it makes sense yeah so what about that dtx bike what's that like i've never ridden one of those uh i think that you can learn a lot on that like um it's it's super fun. It's, it's torquey. Um, I wish that, and that's what I want to like use more just to like perfect my form and kind of like getting better at flat track because mm-hmm. I think that like that really is like how I could get better. It's so light and easy to ride. Um, it takes the bike out of the equation kind of as like that you're not fighting against. Like a well, sportster, you're going to yeah. have to ride a certain way just to deal with the bike. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I have a hard time like, backing in the sportster just because it's so heavy whereas the mm-hmm. dtx bike it just kind of is so much yeah. easier to do and and then you get that feeling and then and then i think you can work up to the sportster like mm-hmm. you know you i mean some people start wheeling dinas but like you start on like a mini bike right. and then you get on a dirt bike and then yep. you know it's like progression so i think i just really like the dtx bike for that too so yeah yeah that's cool do you have one of those sundays don't but i have ridden them and they're very fun they're kind of scary are they scary i just well yeah i mean i feel like they're that thing where like you don't think you're gonna get hurt because it's a small bike but then like you definitely can get hurt (laughs) on a sunday you know what i mean but they're they're also really good because they're you know i'm little so like it's nice that it's a lower center of gravity like it's low to the ground and it's small so i feel like it's not intimidating so like you can push yourself and like um i've gone out and and ridden those a few times just to get more seat time and just to feel out, you know, what sliding is. Because, like, mm-hmm. if I high side that, you know. Yeah. The high side in a sportster is gnarly. It's, yeah. It's like, it's like catapult you. Yeah. I've high sided on a dirt bike, like motocrossing, but I haven't high. S- well, and I've high sided on the DTX bike. That's how mm-hmm. I got my first concussion. Mm. But outside of that, I haven't, knock on wood, high sided the sportster yet. So yeah. I've low sided on it. And that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's good. That's, Low that's, sighting is fine. Yeah. Not scary. So. Shoot. Yeah. I, I want one of those Sundays because I would like to, I like dabbled with the flat track stuff, but I never got to like do it enough to get to learn. Yeah. And then I was like trying to start it on the Sportster. And then um, I had that little KLX and we were going all the way out to Red Gap. It's so, so far. Uh, yeah, so far. And I was trying to learn on that. Yeah. And then I like ended up selling it. And okay. I haven't had anything since. And I'm like, man, I really could just get one of those Sundays. Yeah. And just like, you know, go somewhere to, with that. And For like sure. try to learn on that and just have fun. Absolutely. And do the mad dog races and do like, you know, you could take that to all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. And it's cheap. It's a, I mean, they're kind of, well, they're like two grand, right? Something yeah. Like that. But I mean, like t- buying tires for it. Like oh, yeah. it's already set up. Yeah, absolutely. Like you don't really have to. You know, if I bought a Sportster, cool. Even if I got a Sportster for a grand, for me to make that a flat track bike, like how much money would I have to put into it? And it's like 
even if you did cheap white, still. Yeah, that's cost. already set up for you. You don't have to really change anything. Right, Sunday you could yeah. spend two grand and you're absolutely you can race it. Yeah, no, I think I think they're great bikes and you can learn a lot on them. I think you should get one and then you should let me ride it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> and then you can ride my DTX bike and my Sportster. Yeah, you'll have to like teach me though. That's part of the trade. That's, like, yeah, that's fine. I need lessons. Yeah. We'll just do the winter series. Yeah. And it's fine. There you go. They're doing, um, so now Red Gap is Raceway 33, mm -hmm. I think, because um, someone bought it. And so that's where most of the winter series is, is there. And then also in Brownwood, there's a track out there. Oh, that's and then cool. They're going to do a couple, I think, in Corpus um, at L87. So those will be cool to check out, too. I really like that track down in Corpus. I've heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like, it's like kind of black, huh? It's like uh, darker, whatever dirt's on it. I can't remember. I think it's banked. One? It's banked, so, too. Yeah. yeah. And I really liked that one. So, yeah, if you want to go check it out. I'd like to. Yeah. yeah. That's what I need, another damn hobby, another way to spend money. Well, and also, <laughs> you have to take me to the rodeo. I want to watch you do some, like, cowboy shit. Okay. Yeah. Deal. I think that's so cool. I was talking to this girl, um, and she was saying that she – is going to go to rodeo school and like learn how to like ride bulls and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do I need one more hobby? But I just feel like that. <laughs> you would be good at it. I think. And you're the right, you're a good size for it too. Really? Yeah. Okay. Can I start on like a sheep or something? Oh, you just start on like steers. Steers okay. are kind of hard to ride. They're so skinny. And, uh, but yeah, you can just get like, I mean, you know, we say ride bulls, but you know, you say yeah. ride flat track. That could be anywhere from that Sunday to right. your Sportster, right? Right. Yeah. So, like, let's find you the Sunday equivalent of a bull. Okay. Right. I a little was... little guy that just goes out there and jump kicks and yeah. isn't gonna hook you. And you think I'm joking, but I'm not. No, I know you would do it. <laughs> yeah. If there like, is there any girl that I could think of that hasn't got on a bull that would get on a bull that would probably do pretty well? It would be you. Like, yeah. I, I, I have Thank you. full confidence that, and I know you you wouldn't back out. No, I would totally. I mean, I want to watch first. Yeah. You know, go to a couple and just like see what it's all about, and then and then I would totally do it. Just yeah. It's just such a huge rush in like a short amount of time. Oh, I believe that. You know, yeah. so that I think that's why it's so addicting. It's just such a like fast pace, like quick. yeah, quick, and it's like everything at once. It's like super intense, but then it's over with. It feels like forever, but then it feels like it goes so fast. Yeah. And it's just like... Is time boom, boom, slow boom. when you're on the bull then? Um, yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Um, it can... Sometimes it's not, though. It depends. Like, if you get... You know, it can happen to where it just feels like, what the fuck? Like, that just happened so fast, you know? Yeah. And um, other times... I don't know. The, your perception of time when your adrenaline's that high and mm -hmm. things are going... Oh, Absolutely. And, and that's the thing. It takes so much time to get it down to where you're, like, calm in those situations and you're, like, actually reacting and, like, mm -hmm. you're on top of it and you're not just, like, fight or flight kind of mode. For sure, yeah. You know, you have to get to that point to start getting good and then that takes a really long time. I think, um, you know, being part of, like, a race series of that caliber, like, it is really intimidating. And a one thing that I learned from it was that like fear like anxiety is the same feeling as excitement mm -hmm. and so if you just reframe it like i'm excited yeah. and, and like my heart's beating but like i'm excited for this like mm -hmm. you can totally change your mindset 
it, you know it's what I mean? so much mindset, yeah. And yeah. people won't understand that unless they've done sports like that that just really yeah pushes you and, and puts you in a place where you're actually fearful. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make that choice. And you also have to make a choice not to be scared. Like, in, you know, when you're at a rodeo and then you just see someone like you're about to get on and, and like the paramedics just haul someone oh, out of there. Yep. And nope, then you totally. have to just like totally let that go and just be like, nope, I'm going to be fine. It's not going to happen to me. Yep. I'm getting on, you know. And I, I'm sure it's the same way at races and you see someone have a bad wreck. or Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you've got to just be like, nope. Not for me, not today. Well, and the thing is, like, I mean, I don't know how the rodeo fares to this, but, like, the professionals at AFT are going so much faster than I am that Mm -hmm. I just lie to myself, and I'm like, if I crashed right now, I'm not going fast enough to be hauled off, even though I know that's not true. Mm -hmm. But, like, in my mind, I'm like, it's fine. So I'd be like, I'm riding a baby bull, so I'm not going to get crushed. It's fine, even though he's huge still. Like, you know, so. Yeah. You just you know gaslight yourself into being fine it's true and it's fine and i don't know i don't feel like i get nervous for stuff anymore like you've gotten to that point where you've done a lot of it yeah like because what's that gonna do for me you know what i mean Mm -hmm. other than like psych me out like the best thing to do is just to chill out which granted that's a live animal and they can also sense i'm assuming your fear because horses can sense when you're scared so like can a bull sense when you're scared like I don't want to let him know. I mean, I get, they, you know, I don't think they're going to, like, really adjust okay. their, what they're going to do based on how they think yeah. you feel in that moment. You okay. know what I mean? And they're probably, yeah, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry about that. It's more okay. of just, like, dominance. It's like, I'm, I'm yeah. going to dominate this situation Confidence. over you. That's what the whole sport's about is sure. basically man versus the animal, you know? Totally. And uh, so with you know taking that mindset and what you already know from racing like you know it it all correlates just like i'm i'm gonna win this shit i'm gonna be aggressive i'm gonna like you know yeah hit this corner hard i'm you know and just taking that and just that's that's all you gotta have yeah you know you are you do the same thing that's why i'm like attracted to motorcycle racing and why i'd like to do more of it is and really why i started dabbling with it in the first place is because i wasn't rodeoing anymore and mm-hmm. i needed something yeah and then i started going to some of those and like signing up i'm like man this is just like entering up in a rodeo yeah like it's 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 almost the same in the in the people in the pits and like the camaraderie and the type of people are there it's so similar it's crazy that's awesome it's the same kind of people yeah it's just a different lifestyle a different event you know mm-hmm. that they're doing well actually kind of a similar lifestyle but just a different culture yeah and um so anyway, yeah, I think uh, I think we should get you on a bull. That's what let's I think. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. So let's do it. Yeah, I think that's why like I transitioned from street riding because it was like there was that adrenaline of like the unknown and I don't know how to ride this thing. And then I figured it out. And then it was like, now I'm on the highway and doing this. And then I was like, okay, what's next? Mm-hmm. And then it was like racing on the track. Okay, then what's after this? And then it's like you know flat track and then enduro and it's just like adding that next thing to conquer and not that i've ever conquered any of the things that i've been in but it's like i just want to dabble in everything and have fun same that's me yeah Yeah. it's like i'm never gonna be like i'm never gonna be some pro like rodeo person yeah 
musician or whatever it may be, but it's like I want to like have fun doing all of it. I want to try it all out. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Race cars. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. That's gonna be my, like my old man move. That when I'm right. older, I'm like I want to race cars and like sail. Yeah, like, those are my things. Oh, sailing. I'm like, yeah, are you I gonna do... race sailboats or just sail? No, I think I want to chill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just fish. But I say that. Yeah. But then maybe I get into it. No, totally. I'm always like, I'm not a competitive person. And then as soon as I get on the track, I'm like, okay, I am. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's just in you. Yeah, it's just part of it. Well, tell me about the uh, enduro stuff that you're doing now. Yeah. Um, is, that, is that recent for you? Like, I mean, uh, I did the full, almost the full series. I missed uh, a handful of races because of Royal Enfield stuff, um, which I'm six points behind in the series. So I'm going to finish in second, but that's okay. Bummer. I know. Well, priorities, you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this is the first year that I've, you know, kind of completed or tried to like a whole series and get points for something in Enduro. Um, but it was just another thing where like a friend basically was like, hey, do you want to do this? Um, my first Enduro is the Sandwinder, which is in Smithville, Texas. And I had a friend ask me if I wanted to race with her. And I was like, I've never ridden in the woods. Like I've, I was just a track girl at the time. And she was like, yeah, you can ride my my other woods bike and like, let's do it. And it was February, it was 30 degrees and it was raining. And I was just like, what did I sign myself up <laughs> so for? So miserable. I remember getting to the first checkpoint and my friend was like checking people. And I was like, how much longer do we have? And he laughed at me because like we were at the first checkpoint, like five miles in. And I was just like, I can't believe I signed up for this. And I finished, I got through the whole thing and I... I broke down and I cried because I was so happy to have made it through. Because, like, you know those dreams that you have at night where, like, you just – you're, like, in a forest and you can't get out. And it's kind of hazy the whole time. Like, that's what this, like, enduro yeah. felt. And it just felt, like, kind of terrifying. And then and then I did it and I was like, wow, I can't believe I just did that. That was amazing. And then come to find out later, my that was my friend's first enduro. And mm. she was scared to do it by herself. So she asked me to do it with her oh that's cool and i was like oh that's kind of like badass that you think that i could you know do something that i've never tried before and so that kind of sparked that and so i tried riding my 250 track bike but it you know was kickstart only and it's really tall and so i could never kick it that would be tough to do yeah and i could never kick it like you know if i got stuck in like a ravine or whatever and so um i decided to get a little 150 xcw which is what i have now and um, I was, is it I, electric star? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Which is really nice. It makes a big difference when you oh, get stuck yeah. in like a weird spot. Especially if you're tired too. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And so I, I started doing torques. Um, I think it's like the Texas off-road circuit series. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's more of a hair scramble. Um, and then, but really like since the Sandwinder was T-Sec and that's the Enduro series in Texas, like, I think that's just kind of where my heart was. Cause like, um, the, the difference between a hair scramble and a enduro is like the hair scramble is like one set course that's mm-hmm. like a circle and you do it as many times in like a time frame like an hour let's say mm-hmm. whereas like an enduro is like tests and each test is completely different i think that's more fun because it's like more of the unknown whereas a lot like, of variety too yeah and a lot of variety and like just there's more obstacles like than there would be like in the woods because like a lot of those are like in you know like uh, the panhandle of texas so mm-hmm. there's a lot more rocks and stuff like that and i think it's fun the last one i did um was actually on the east side of texas so it was a lot more like 
roots and pine trees. But that's what's cool about it is every one is different and you master something else. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and you're just like everything you do is making you just more well-rounded as oh, a, a racer. Yeah, and I think they all kind of translate, you know, to each other. Like, And you wouldn't think so, but like, you know, the first race in Daytona this year for flat track, the track was like super bumpy, ruddy. There was just like chunks. And I think riding a track and you know having whoops and like you know riding in the woods like seeing that doesn't freak me out whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of people who just flat track and they're used to like flat surfaces are like what is this you know and like um so i think like any type of riding that you can do is cross training you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. seat time is seat time and so like even riding on the street like when i was just riding my dyna as like my daily driver like I feel like on the weekends, like transitioning to the track, like, yeah, it's a different body position, but like, I was still like, I'm riding all week and then I'm just riding here. So it wasn't any, you know what I mean? Just right. translated. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah kind of reminded me of like, I remember watching the interview of, um, uh, shoot, what's this? Sean White. Mm-hmm. And people were asking him about, you know, his going from snowboarding to skateboarding. Oh, and how yeah. How tough it was yeah and and stuff like that and he was just saying like man i think it helps you know because in the summertime he would skate and then wintertime he'd snowboard and he would just like keep him sharp all the way around totally and i yeah i feel like all of it helps in one way or the other yeah do you know um brad sims he does like bmx and then he just transitioned to like uh, mountain biking and like to watch how he rides a mountain bike which has a lot of bmx style in it and like just naturally just so good at it Mm -hmm. and it's just like yeah, I think, and even, like, me mountain biking, like, that tr- translates. Mm, oh, yeah, for sure. To enduro riding, because there's, like, <clears throat> rocks and roots and all sorts mm-hmm. of things, and it's picking, I mean, that one even more so, like, you're picking good line choices, because you don't have the power of a motor. Like, your mm-hmm. legs are the motor and the suspension, depending on what kind of mountain bike you have, and, like, so it's all about, like, good line choice and, like, keeping speed, because you're not going to be able to have a throttle to pull you out in a corner. Mm-hmm. So, like, keeping that momentum through the corner, like, on your mountain bike. And, like, yeah, you can literally do anything, so. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, shoot. Shoot. This has been great. You're you're so interesting. You got so much to talk. We could just go on forever. I know. I could talk for a long time. Yeah, we'll have to do I'll another write, one. I'll write a book one day. You should. Yeah. You really should. My mom wrote a book, um, and, uh, I want to meet your mom. She seems so rad. Like she that, is, yeah. That photo that Brandon took of her, uh, and you too, with like her horse and like your bike. Like I don't know, your family's so interesting yeah. too. So like that's awesome. Yeah, a little wacky, but yeah, we're it's fun. Whatever. Every family's wacky in their own way. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. you're like cool, wacky. Yeah, wacky yeah. in a good way. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like we were different, but we, you know, we had a good time. So yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Like, how can uh? people keep up with you uh probably on instagram instagram that's probably best that's yeah. your main jam yeah me too it's just mallory there you go i'm not creative that's it you you your instagram handle is mallory it's just my name yeah it's m-a-l-a-r-y-y-y there's three y's oh okay yeah three y's there you go yeah but then it's like if i meet people at sh- like shows they're not like oh you're like sports to girl 69 they're like hey are you mallory and i'm like how do you know my name? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, so. That's what sucks is like when you build these relationships with people over Instagram and maybe you've met them once or twice, but then you, you forget their name, but oh. their Instagram handle comes up to your head Total- first thing. Absolutely. I hate that. I'm like, 
shit. And then you're somewhere without like service and you're trying to pull up their Instagram to see if they have their name on their profile and they don't. And you're like, oh, "Oh, no. So that's when you just say, hey, and let them. Or you introduce them to someone else. You're like, hey, this is my friend Cole. And then they're like, hey, I'm Samantha. And you're like, that's that's who she is. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, y'all, y'all, you're a great Instagram follow. So I highly suggest it. And, uh, I think you're rad. I think, um, I don't know. I'm just, I say I'm proud of you. Like I have some sort of skin in the game. So I'm trying to figure out how to say it, but I guess watching you from afar, I'm just like, uh, I admire you. That's it. That's thank you. That's very sweet. I admire you, man. Cool. Well, I'm glad to know you. Thanks for having me in here. Yes, ma'am. All right. Fun. All right, we'll catch you later. Sounds good. I always don't know how to end these things. Yeah, you're really bad at that. I'm terrible at it. Yeah, (laughs) it's all good.